Welcome to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. I'm Josh, and today I'm here with my friend Chris. Hi, I'm Chris Sexton, and I'm joined with my friend Allison. Hi, I'm Allison, and today we have our guest, Nick. Uh, Nick is currently the CTO and co-founder of Nomics. Before he co-founded Nomics, Nick created MeetSpace, a video conferencing application for distributed teams. And before that, Nick worked at CodeShip on the CodeShip Pro continuous delivery platform, as well as various other web application consulting projects in Ruby on Rails, Go, and JavaScript. Welcome, (laughs) Nick Gothier, to the podcast. Hi, glad to be here. Welcome. So Nick, tell us a little bit about your child. And I understand that you sort of what we wanted to talk about uh, today was that you were um, full-time parenting for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. So I left CodeShip and I started MeetSpace, which was my own project around uh, video conferencing for distributed teams. And it was not exactly part of the plan that we were going to start our family when I was doing MeetSpace, but it was kind of like really good timing because running effectively a solo project is like the most flexible way possible to be able to work and also be a parent. So the timing ended up being pretty good and it was about nine months or no, I guess it wasn't, it was a little more than nine months when we had uh, my daughter, Michelle, she was born in January of 2017. And so it was really nice to be able to just stop working on MeetSpace for however long I I felt like it and take the amount of leave that I wanted to take. And my my wife had three months of leave. And so I decided, okay, well, I'm going to take three months too. And then we'll sort of figure out where we want to go from there. And when the three months was up, we weren't really ready to just put her in in daycare at that point or or go to a nanny. We really wanted to just stay closer to her. And uh, so I became a full-time parent, I guess, at that point. Because, I mean, mentally you're switching from I'm on leave to like, okay, well, now my job is parent. And so from three months old to eight months old, I was taking care of her and I would work on MeetSpace like during nap times, pretty much. And yeah, and then what what happened around the eight-month mark was kind of leading up to that is when I met Clay, my co-founder at Nomics. And we were just so excited about Nomics and it was such a great opportunity that I decided, okay, there were a couple factors that went into it. But one one factor was the opportunity at Nomics. And the other factor, and I don't know if this is unpopular opinion or if everyone is just going to start nodding in unison, but I found it to be boring to be a full-time parent all the time to a baby. It was really wonderful sometimes, but I wanted to spend a couple of hours a day with my daughter, but I didn't want to spend 12 hours just being a parent. And my mind was just going crazy, wanting to do something challenging. And I realized this wasn't going to be something that was going to work for me full time for years. And so we found we found a nanny uh, and uh, the first nanny was terrible. And then a few weeks later, we found another nanny um, <laughs> and that nanny was great and was with us for, for quite a while. Now she's two. Um, still with a nanny while I'm working at Nomics and looking forward to preschool in September. That is nice. awesome. <laughs> at least from my perspective, lots of uh, nodding about loving your child and wanting to be with them and take care of them and have those special moments, but also brain craving something, something additional. So one thing that I'm curious about is 
you know, I think that this path is, you know, frequently, you know, a woman who chooses like, oh, I'm going to like take more time for my for my career. I'm curious being a full time parent as a man, like, I mean, a lot of the classes are mommy and me classes, right? So like, if you did any sort of like, classes or activities or how I know that, you know, my husband, if he has both kids at the playground, like he'll often get like, even when we just had one, he'll often get like, oh, it's so great that you're, you know, at the playground or like, I'm oh, just well, curious. His own kids. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm curious about like the comments and perspective. I mean, you know, I hear, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. I want to find a class to do with my child, but it's like, I don't feel super welcome. Like, I'm, I'm curious about perspectives around that, what you experienced. Yeah. So during that time, I went to a couple of different groups and meetups. So on Mondays, there was a coffee walk from a local cafe up and down the bike path. I'm actually very, very near the most trafficked bike path in America, um, which is the Minuteman Trail just outside of Boston. And uh, we would grab coffee and, and go for a walk and then go to a playground. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, there was a play group at, uh, at playgrounds where folks would just roll out a blanket and hang out. And then Fridays was a parents group, which was really more like the, not so much the get together, but more like the group therapy kind of sessions. And yeah, all of those, I think I met two other dads in five months through those. That's crazy. And, uh, and they were there briefly because it was kind of like they were covering a gap. So I was pretty much the only guy. The main feeling was really that I was intruding on the mom's space. So, I mean, at first, just getting over the fact that I was going to be in a room where at least three people at any given time were breastfeeding and initially made me a little bit uncomfortable. And then I was like, nope, get over it. But then I was really worried that I was making them uncomfortable. So I would I would talk to people and ask and sort of make sure that I wasn't intruding. And I think I would often backseat a lot of the discussions without jumping in too much because... I didn't want to be like, well, I'm the guy. Let me tell you how this is all going to work, you know, to a, a room full of uh, full of moms. You know, it's like I don't, I'm not uh, better than them or, or anything. Or I, yeah. So I, I guess really I felt like in the beginning that I was intruding. But I think first of all, all the people I met were very welcoming and very supportive. So that was really great. Um, and I also just found that aside from a few key physical differences, a lot of the experiences were the same. So there wasn't much I could chime in uh, about how sore my nipples were or like how my body was recovering from birth. But otherwise, a lot of the same stuff talking about problems with eating and sleeping and depression and loneliness and boredom and everything that people feel psychologically, that was definitely common ground. And then sometimes it was actually valuable. Sometimes I remember one time when when uh, when one woman was like, I've had a really tough week. My husband has had a man cold. And she just sort of turns to me like, no offense. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, no, no. I've had man colds. <laughs> and it was like in some of these situations, I could actually add a little bit more because I could give the husband's perspective um, to some of these discussions and sort of say on the other side of things or at least say something like, you know, for my family, it's the same. It's not because it's a husband or a wife thing. It's like, this is what it's like to be partners and to have a kid. You know, I, I feel the same way. But yeah, all in all, like the groups were very welcoming and supportive. And coming out of it, I kind of felt like I, ha I, was, I was dealing with my own awkwardness of being in the space where I was clearly the odd one out. And it reminded me very much of the major diversity issues we have in tech right now. And I'm just thinking like, 
you know, if, if there are non-white men who are able to bring their best every day breaking into tech, like the least I can do is break into a mommy group, right? Um, <laughs> that's got to be nothing in comparison. And I found it to be really helpful and supportive too. They, they really were great groups and I uh, still keep in touch with a bunch of the people there. One of the other things that I am curious about is you may not want to speak for your for your partner, but I'm curious about basically like your partner going back to work and you sort of joining these mom groups or groups where there were a lot of women who were either stay at home or still on leave or working part time or whatnot. I'm curious what conversations you had with your partner about it. Like if there was not jealousy, but you know, sometimes it's like, I think that probably both women and men, but like women have very mixed emotions about going back to work and pumping and also all sorts of other of other stuff, constant sort of hormonal shifts, especially in that first year. So I'm curious if there were conversations that like you and your partner had or if there were, you know, sort of bonding moments that I don't know that that had to be talked about. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just curious, like what the dynamic was between you and your partner. So first of all, in the first three months when we were both on leave, uh, we went to a lot of these groups together. So there wasn't any fear around what kind of a situation it was from my partner. So she wasn't worried or anything about what kind of situations I was in. I don't, I don't really know. But uh, so, so these were people she already knew. And, um, and I think she knew sort of what these groups were like and what hangout was like. And she would meet them too on the weekends sometimes. It was a lot like research. Like I would sort of go out, go to the group, talk about things, and come back, and my wife would get the debrief where I'd right. say, "Okay, here's here. I talked about some of these things that we've been going through. This yeah, morning. I got some answers. Here's some Let ideas. me tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I would also come back with some of the morale boosting stuff. Like it's always great to pick out just like when, when there's other people who have it harder than you. It really makes you appreciate how well some of the things are going. You know. So my daughter was never a great eater, but she was always an incredible sleeper. And we would be thinking all week about how the eating was driving us up the wall without really being grateful for how good a sleeper she was. And then I'd go to the group and I'd come back and I would tell my wife some horror, horror story of some baby who would sleep at most 20 minutes at a time, even at night. And it was like, wow, okay, hold on. We've got it really good here. So that was nice too. But for the most part, I would say, and this is probably the extent that I'll share my wife's perspective, which was that she's really passionate about her work. And she doesn't particularly like the baby face. She likes kids when they're a little older, when there's a, they're a lot more interactive. And so for her, honestly, she was a bit relieved that this was something that I was doing. And on the flip side, uh, I really like babies. So <laughs> I, was, uh, I was pretty happy with that arrangement. And that's the sort of thing that we're really open about. And it was a mutually good arrangement. I think we were pretty happy about it, except for the fact that I was slowly getting more and more bored and wanted to do interesting stuff again. So how has things changed as, you know, the baby has has grown and, and turned into toddler? And I'm not, I'm not sure I remember quite how old now, but I know that those phases, there were drastic and wild changes going between different things uh, <laughs> as my kids were growing up, and especially with switching gigs and what you're working on and, you know, what, what your job is and getting a nanny. Uh, I'm just kind of curious about the, the progression. At eight months when she was going, she was starting to, uh, that's when we transitioned to the nanny. I think she was taking two naps at that point. And so there was a good amount of time during the day that was was fairly quiet. And then when she was active, um, she's always been a really, really active kid. She walked very early and she wanted us to help her walk very early. So 
she always wanted to be moving. And so they would often go out. So I had a, I, I often have a pretty quiet house. Last winter was really hard because she was really stuck inside. And last winter was around when she was coming up on two years old. So at that point, they're like bouncing off the walls with energy. And that was really challenging. Um, and also because our nanny was having more and more uh, health issues um, around her back uh, and her knees. And eventually she had to quit. And now we have a new nanny who's great, who takes her out and runs her around and uh, that's working out a lot better. But yeah, there are definitely some really big changes over that time. I mean, early on, it was like I would come down for lunch because I work from home and the nanny's at home here too. And my daughter's here. And at that age, it was kind of like she'd want to hang out with me a little bit, but she was also doing what she was doing. And she might or might not really notice a lot when I went back to work or what time it was or anything like that. And then as she's gotten older, now it's like she really gets the routine. And if I don't come down for lunch around noon, she's like, Daddy, where's Daddy? Where's Daddy? You know, it's actually part of my work days and the way that I have, my wife and I have arranged our childcare duties, sort of taking turns in the morning because my wife commutes, but I work from home. Um, and then the nanny and then lunchtime all together and then nap time. And then she gets up from her nap and then she knows a little while after her nap, you know, I'm going to come downstairs. And so she's really part of the routine around my work. Too. And you find that works works well for you? Yeah, most of the time. There are some days that are really hard work days, and I don't have the energy <laughs> to entertain a toddler at lunchtime. And sometimes on those days, I'll just wait and I'll eat when she's napping. And usually that goes well enough. And uh, and sometimes the nanny takes her out for such a long adventure in the morning. It's like they just sort of come back and she crashes. And those days can be really nice when I've really got the house to myself and it's quiet and I can work. But yeah, most of the time it does work very well. She takes nice, solid naps. Yeah, I know for myself personally that um, coming into the office, especially when the kids were younger, mine are middle school age now, but when they were younger, it was like, I, I would joke about it being vacation to come in to work where, mm -hmm. you know, I was dealing with a different type of stress and, you know, activities, uh, stuff that I was conditioned and well, <laughs> well at the dealing with. And so being able to escape for a little while was like a really big deal. So yeah. I'm not sure how that pull, pulling it off, looking from home, that seems very challenging. I'm, I'm intimidated by that, that, uh, yeah. well, thought I, to start with. <laughs> I, I really like working from home. I really like working remote. It works just so well for me that yeah, having, having a toddler here does probably decrease my productivity um, and maybe increase stress or take more energy. But compared to working in an open office, it's it's nothing. That just so doesn't work for me to be in a noisy office, a space that I don't have a lot of control over. Whereas at home, I have everything really the way that I want it. And I also really like having a big desktop computer. Um, and, uh, and I don't like hunching over a laptop. So I really like my home setup. We bought this house a couple of years ago and it needed new electrical. Per law, we had like six weeks to replace it. So we had to replace everything. And I told the electricians while they were in there to run Cat6. So I have I have Cat6 and I have fiber gigabit internet over ethernet here. And it's just the best setup. Like it doesn't get better than this. So having a toddler is is kind of like having a really unpredictable boss, you know, um, uh, who's, who's interrupting you. But we've got it down pretty well here. And I also really like the fact that I can help sometimes. Sometimes she's having a complete meltdown going down for her nap. And I can just duck my head out, pop in, talk to her for a couple of minutes, and really help her out. When if I was at work, she wouldn't be able to get that. And it really doesn't take much out of my day if I'm in the middle of writing an email and I jump up and 
go over for a couple minutes and say hi and then sit back down at my email. And, you know, that really didn't take much from my day at all, if, if anything. You know, there's always a couple minutes here and there that you take a break from work. But in exchange, I was able to really help my daughter out when she was having a hard time. Or times when, like, she's gotten hurt, you know, the nanny can just text me and I can hop downstairs and, uh, and help, help out. Um, versus like if you're at work and all of a sudden you have to drive home. So it's pros and cons really, but all in all, I really like the home office setup and that's just how I want to work. And it would take me a lot to build that up somewhere else, especially since Nomics is a completely remote company. We don't have an office, so I couldn't say, oh, well, I'm going to go into the office today. It's like I'd have to go set up a, a office in a co-working space, pay for that, get a nicer laptop or get another computer, set all that up. And then I'd be like having these duplicate setups there. And maybe that space is kind of noisy. And, you know, it's all it's all trade-offs. But I know personally, there were times in the winter, I think that the weather was really bad. And a couple of days would go, go by and I would not step foot out of the house. And I'm okay with that. Like that works for me. So I think it's something that that works for me, but certainly doesn't work for everyone or maybe even most people. You mentioned uh, your your current company, Nomics, and I wanted to ask how having a child has changed how you work and how you help lead a company. This is, you know, the second company you've been helping to lead and you had a child in there. So I'm just I'm kind of curious, like, what have you found has changed, you know, in your approach, and maybe how you structure your work? I mean, obviously, there's the like mechanics of when you work, but maybe you could talk a little bit more about like, just how how your philosophy has changed now that you have a child. Yeah, yeah, it's actually the third company for me. And looking back, I have only led companies with other parents. <laughs> so, um, so that's <laughs> definitely a huge factor here. In fact, every Nomics employee is a parent, which gives us a really unique perspective on it. Everyone is really understanding. And my co-founder has twins that are about a year older than my uh, my daughter. So it means that any issues I have, uh, he at least understands once, if not twice over. As far as um, uh, the working dynamics, I, it definitely means that there's more like, what's the right word for it? Maybe like incidentals or like, oops, I got to cancel this meeting or move that around, you know, because mm. there's more stuff. There's more doctor's appointments. There's more interruptions or emergencies or accidents or whatever it is. Um, and there have also been a couple of times when uh, I was really trying to hold down an interview and in the background you could just hear my daughter screaming her head off and it was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, but also I guess I've been on calls where the other side was like, they're drilling holes in the walls today. So sorry about the background noise, you know, and, but yeah, as far as the dynamic goes, I guess it means that when I'm not working, I'm very much not working. Right. There isn't a lot of fluidity between working and not working. Whereas in the past, maybe, especially when I was freelancing or contracting, working time and not working time blended a whole lot more. Whereas now it's like a very definitive on-off switch of literally when I'm on duty with my daughter, when the nanny takes over, that sort of switch is like when I work versus when I don't. But I think for me personally, that's always been something that was a very hard switch on and off. I'm a really, really focused worker and when I'm switched on, but then I need to turn completely off for the rest of the time. Uh, I'm not one of those work a little bit around the clock kinds of people. I'm very much like I work during my work time and when I'm not working, I am not working at all. So again, I think that that worked well for me and it was probably one of the reasons why I've took that role early on as, as the full-time parent because it fit well for me. Did you know that about your working style before you had a child, or is that something you discovered as a result of having to juggle these schedules? 
No, I, I knew that uh, definitely. Um, my first job was at a consulting company, and there you had to bill forty hours a week. Ah, uh, yes, I'm um, very familiar. And so, yep, and so I just got it down to the point where I billed that forty hours really closely inside the actual forty hours that I worked, and then when I was done, I was done, and it worked really well for me. Um, and then going on after that, I worked at uh, uh, I worked at a startup and also did my own consulting. And found that if I work much over 40 hours, I burn out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so from then on, it was something that was I, I was always really upfront about with anybody that I worked with. It was like, look, I know how to do my best work. And it's inside of 40 hours. And you need to know that before we even start. Because if you're expecting 60 out of me, it just isn't going to happen. Uh, and if I did it anyways, it would actually be worse. So I've always had that and known that about myself. And I've uh, been open with that with anyone I was working with. So it sounds like you do work well when you're very focused. What about context switching? Because uh, you were you were mentioning that something might come up, or you need you know you need to context switch and go down for post nap visit or to go grab lunch. Is that comfortable, or is that something that is a bit of a hurdle to overcome? Yeah, I've I've always been particularly terrible at context switching. Because of that, I have a lot of habits around protecting my time. Um, I'm also more of a morning worker than an afternoon worker. So when my daughter was taking two naps, that morning nap was like really key. And that was like, she goes to sleep and then I immediately go sit in my chair and I code until I hear her wake up, you know? And that was my core productive time. And then later when the nanny would take over, um, and, and now as well, it's uh, it's really helpful when they go out in the mornings so that I have that dedicated, focused time. But then, yeah, if, if there are times that there's a doctor's appointment or, you know, I have to help out with something, which is still pretty rare. It can be really disruptive. But over the course of my time at Nomics, starting out as the CTO and co-founder with no other employees means I was really working as a developer. And in those cases, I had to be very protective of my time and try and get the focus in where I could to be able to code productively, which usually requires a couple hours of, of focus. But then more recently, uh, as our team has expanded, my roles really changed. So at this point, I'm now like a developer in the morning and a CTO in the afternoon, because that gives me my best focus time towards my code in the morning. And then in the afternoon is when I have a lot of meetings, sales calls, reviews, one-on-ones. And then I fill in the gaps with communication, usually. And so that's tended to work well recently, too. Although over the winter, it was challenging because my daughter wasn't going out as much. So there were a lot of times I was really trying to code, but I could hear her just like yelling or throwing a tantrum or something downstairs. And it kind of reminded me of working at an office where you're just slowly cranking up the volume on your headphones until you can focus and and get anywhere. No, I'm... Um, I'm Nodding in vehement agreement and have a similar role where I'm when I'm in the office, it's a lot of jumping around and talking and coordinating. And then I have to go hide somewhere so I can focus and actually get into the flow of of doing things. And it's really hard to obtain sometimes. Yeah. Um, But honestly, the most quiet and work conducive time that I ever have is when either my daughter is out in the morning going to the library or to a sing-along or the playground and when she's napping in the afternoon because at that time i have a completely quiet house to myself i think that's better than any office because we also have and this is probably a big contributing factor as well at nomics we have pretty strict guidelines around communication like we have communication slas uh, and all of our communication is asynchronous and most of it is all put into place to allow people to ignore communication to be able to focus as long as possible 
So when I have a quiet house and I have all notifications off, there's no chat, you know, there's no email notifications. We schedule meetings pretty rarely. I really have that time 100% to myself and to my work. And you really can't beat that versus an office or versus, you know, a disruptive high-speed communication like remote environment that uh, Slack notification hell kind of situation. Okay, we're going to need you to back up and explain <laughs> the communication SLA because that just set sure. off my interest alarms. With MeetSpace, actually, my thesis around MeetSpace was that remote teams would communicate better being face-to-face more and being in chat less because it's a whole lot easier to get into fights and to lose empathy with people when you're on chat Very or true. on email or on a pull request or an issue versus actually talking to them face-to-face. So I really was pushing that with MeetSpace, try to make it easier, more seamless for people to get face-to-face in front of each other. And I really believe that any kind of notification-based system, especially things like like chat and, and Slack, are really disruptive to people who need focus for their work. Because if you just consider like, let's just say chats are randomly distributed throughout the day based on how many people you're working with, the more time you need to get into focus, the more likely that's going to be interrupted by something. Right. And I think developers, designers, creatives, I mean, even when it comes to marketing, writers, so much of what goes into tech, you need these big focusing chunks of time. And so at Nomics, I was actually in a position to say, this is how we should work. And a big part of that too was Clay, my co founder, was really used to using this app called Voxer. And that allows you to send voice messages to other people that you record. And then they can play them back. And it was kind of used as like one of those push to talk kind of competitors on phones, like back in the in the nineties. I think it was it like Nextel that did that. Yeah, like the push, Nextel like the message. push to talk phones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's kinda like that, except we abused it to its limits. It had a limit of like fifteen minutes on a voice message. We would hit that and have to start another one and then hit that and start another and we'd send big chunks of voice to each other. And the amazing thing about it was he could talk to me for 90 minutes while I was coding the whole morning and I could get back and listen in the afternoon and I could play him at triple speed and get through that entire conversation in 30 minutes, you know? So it took so much less of my time. You don't have to schedule meetings. It doesn't interrupt your focus. And to also reinforce this practice, we wrote up these SLAs and we've got a whole bunch of things in there. One of them is any communication, the norm or the expected turnaround time on replying is 24 hours. So you don't have to reply inside of 24 hours to anything unless in text, it says urgent. And our and our ripcord for that is calling people's cell phones. So if somebody at work calls your cell phone, like you have to pick it up. And that's only happened once or twice between me and my co-founder. Otherwise, there's so little actual urgency that we just say everything should be do not, do not disturb. Everything should just be get back to it when you get back to it. So we'll often go the whole workday or into the next day before replying to something because that's just our norms. That's our expectations that we set. We also have, and this is, I guess, more of a guidance, but we try to keep our communication very much close to the topic. So instead of like an engineering Slack room where everybody's chatting about everything, we really push people towards talking about it on the Trello card or on the GitHub issue or in email with just the relevant parties. And those things are all asynchronous. 
So to loop all of this back in <laughs> to parenting. Um, yeah, what's your what's your parenting communication SLA then? Do you do something similar at home? <laughs> That's gonna be the natural next um, question. No, I mean, how do you how do you do not disturb a baby? Like, if you solve that problem, you're gonna be rich. But, <laughs> I think uh, I meant more between your partner and yourself. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that's really different. Uh, you know, we chat during the day, but there's no real response time on that either. But bringing this back to parenting, like, it means that when I did have any time that was really well carved out, it meant that I actually could use it to focus on my work. It wasn't like I'm then opening the floodgates to all the communication that's just like heaped upon me from being out of communication for a while. At Nomics, we've really tuned it pretty well to not have a lot of that communication. So our dedication to preserving focus time means that as a parent, when your work time is fairly restricted, I mean, it's pretty hard for parents to work more than a 40-hour week unless they've made arrangements with daycare or a nanny. It means that that time that you do have, you can really put to good use. So I think those things have synced really well. And a lot of that is from what I've worked out with my co-founder and the fact that we're all parents. So it's not like I'm the one parent in a group of 22 to 26 year olds who are just coding their faces off all the time. And, you know, I show up nine to five and, you know, it's it's not like that, right? Everybody's sort of on this very similar schedule and has a lot of understanding. Very cool. One question that that brings up is that seems to solve a lot of the, you know, being productive time and making sure not to have a lot of distractions. But what about the kind of relationship building and things that would often have been the water cooler talk or during lunch or that sort of thing? Were the people at Nomics, you know, were pre-existing relationships, the folks that you'd known before, or have you found it just doesn't matter? No, it absolutely matters. Um, some of them were existing relationships to my co-founder. Okay. But actually, this was one of the things that came up in our reviews after uh, a few months of growing the team. And uh, we, we do a monthly review. So there's a weekly one-on-one and a monthly review. And the monthly review covers what most people would do in a, in a six-month or an annual review. We're just really diligent about doing the monthly. And one of the things that came up was that the team was feeling less and less connected to each other uh, at a personal level. So one of the things we've done with this is just attacked it very structurally. So we actually set up specific optional meetings. Um, we call them huddles, where people can join if they want to, or they can keep working if they want to. And they're, and they're no agenda. It's just whoever shows up, shows up. It's like explicit water cooler time. And we talk about usually, <laughs> since we're all parents, we're often talking about our kids, um, about our weekends, or uh, you know just about whatever happened. But we had to, we had to deliberately set it up as a remote company and a company full of parents to make time to be social like that. But I think, if anything, we're a very introspective company, um, and we identified that quickly, and we worked on it. And then we yeah, also yeah. are setting up like company retreats, too. Um, sure. We have our first one next week, which will be really exciting. But this challenge is there, too, because everyone has to make arrangements uh, with childcare uh-huh. to be able to take the time away. So we were like sorting out how to have the minimum amount of like missed childcare time sync up with how the retreat schedule was going to be. And I, I think we did a good job, but we'll see see after it goes down. Yeah, my team is a partially remote. And so we do a once a week do a lunch. But even then, we run into problems with time zones. <laughs> the people in Oregon don't want to have lunch at the same time as the people, you know, in DC. <laughs> we just don't try to have lunch. <laughs> it's just time. It's time that, that works for everybody. 
Thank you. That was super interesting. I think that we are going to move into our genius fail moments. Um, so this is the point of the show where we talk about something that's happened in like the last couple of weeks that we think was really brilliant of us as parents or something that like maybe did not go so well. So, so I'll, I'll give you one in each category. We'll start with the fail. And this isn't... Uh... I guess this isn't really a hard fail. It's more of like a hilarious fail, which will hopefully be okay. But um, we were taking my daughter to a butcher shop that's got some kind of fancy stuff. And uh, we don't go there very often. And she was walking around the place sort of scoping things out. And in the back, she saw the cooler. You know, she's two. She goes up to the cooler, you know, slaps her hands on the sides of it, presses her face up against it, and yells like top of her lungs for the whole store, Oh, yeah, get some beer! (laughs) <laughs> and it was like everybody in the store turned to look at us. And my wife was mortified and I was just laughing. Um, and I told her she, first of all, she wasn't old enough to have beer. And second of all, it wasn't even five o'clock yet. Um, so that, I don't know. I, I guess that's not really a great fail, but I felt like it was a fun enough story that I would want to share it. The genius one that I'll share, I'm, I'm proud of this one, is that she's just started potty training, which is really more about just making, at least from what I know of it, um, making the whole potty system available to her and, and encouraging what she wants to do. But her favorite thing in the whole world is M&Ms. And we have told her that if she pees in the potty, she can have an M&M. And so now at the end of the day, her routine is usually like set up the potty and then ask for juice and water and milk repeatedly and just drink a lot of juice and water and milk and then pee and then ask for an M&M and get an M&M and then drink a whole bunch of juice and then pee. And, and she'll just, sometimes she'll get like two or three M&Ms in an evening. Amazing. <laughs> so we, we have just trained her to like push fluids and, uh, and use the potty. <laughs> Um, so I'm, I'm proud of that one because this is, I mean, I see this as practice. She's just practicing over and over and over again. And so that's been working well recently. Oh, think of what else you could like, you know, channel that energy into. (laughs) Oh yeah. And, and I promised her if she, if she poops in the potty, she can have a whole bag of M&Ms and she just like, she has tried so hard. She's just like straining, like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You know? Oh yeah. She's trying. We can train her real good with (laughs) M&Ms. I'm going to have to go way back for this one, but a a great follow-up. So a a fail as we did this very similar thing and it was, was an Emmy and I get the M&M as reward. And the fail was um, not being aware of Emmy inflation. And it was (laughs) totally around like, you know, they do all this work and they do a good job and you give them one and they're like, well, can I have another? And you're like, well, it's, it's an M&M. Like it's, that's tiny. Yeah, sure. And then that turned into inflation and got out of hand. And now it was, you know, like, well, you gave me, gave me two last, you gave me three last time. And um, so it sounds like you're doing a much better job of staving off any sort of Emmy inflation. So. Uh, yeah, we've been sticking to one, but she still asks for the whole bag every time. Fair enough. I mean, who would Exactly. You should always ask, but it just has to happen you. once. She just has to get you once. Exactly. And then, and then you're, then you're a goner. Nope. So that, that's my fail. Um, and then I was going to do another one, uh, also going way back to when, when the kids were toddlers, which was when we were cooped up all winter long at bad weather, we had a family activity that we, uh, affectionately refer to as screen parade, where normally we would tie, um, blankets around our necks to look like capes. 
and we would just march around uh, the living room, the kitchen area, and um, everybody would scream and make a lot of noise. And it was 100%. The only goal was to get some of that energy out because all we had been was cooped <laughs> up all day long. So yeah. our win was Scream Parade. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, so I have a genius. So first, an accomplishment, and a gen- the genius is like part of that accomplishment. So I blogged about this a little while ago, but I took this sort of anger management for parents class about a month, a little over a month ago. We put a bunch of practices and stuff into place in our household, and it has been a full month since anyone has yelled at anyone else in our house, which is great. But my genius related to that is that part of one of the... Uh, solutions that we decided for this process because a lot of it for us happens when trying to like get out of the house in the morning um, especially like get my son to preschool and so we put up a flow of the morning for him which is basically it's pictures it's like the five pictures of the things that he needs to do to get ready to leave the house so it's like he has a cup of milk in the morning and then he has to get dressed and brush his teeth and and eat breakfast and put on his socks, shoes, get his backpack and get into the car. And so we have we had him pick where he wanted to hang it in his room. So we have one hanging in his room and we have one hanging downstairs on our door. And I only thought this was going to work for like two days, but we've actually been going on a couple of weeks where we can just say to him, like, what's next on your flow? What's the next thing that you need to do to get out of the house? And he like will run and look at it and he'll be like, I have to brush my teeth now. Of course I have to brush my teeth. And he'll just like do it and then like move on to the next thing. And it's really, it's only been very, very occasionally that he's looked at me and he's been like, I do not want to do the flow today. In which case I'll ask him like, okay, well, we still have to leave the house. So which parts do you not want to do? So sometimes he doesn't feel like getting dressed. So he'll go to school in, in pajamas or sometimes, right? Like it's, whatever we're still getting out of the house but yes the pictures have been amazing highly recommend for small humans in your yeah, life I'm gonna steal that for sure <laughs> that's amazing i think for some of the older humans in my life i might put some pictures down <laughs> yeah, that reminded me of another thing that that i started doing which i think my wife uh, actually called me a master manipulator for this yesterday which is that um recently what's been going on is we have dinner and then she gets to watch uh, my daughter gets to watch a little bit of a movie or some PBS kids or something like that. And then after that, it's bath time. So, of course, the transition from watching TV to bath is like a really tough one. And so recently what I've been doing is I've taught her how to use the remotes for the TV, which we keep out of her reach when we don't want her to have them. But I've taught her how to use it. And so I let her turn it off when it's time to turn it off. And it's like she can't resist pushing the buttons. They're just too pushable. So even though she knows that pushing the button is going to turn the TV off, it's so interesting to her to push it that she does it. And so she's been turning off her TV when she kind of decides to, even though I'm sort of coaching her. It's like, okay, it's bath time now. Get ready to turn it off. She wants to watch one more. And then I say, okay, one more. And then it's time to turn off. You know, you can do it or I can do it. And she's like, well, no, I'm going to do it. And she'll turn it off. And that's been actually working, which has been great. Thanks so much for listening to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have questions that you'd like us to chat about on air, please email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or find us on Twitter at, at parentdrivendev. And if you like what you hear, support us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash parentdrivendev or rate us on iTunes. Thanks so much. Bye.